Hey, agility addicts, or soon to become one, welcome to Startline Podcast. I'm your host, Kara Armour, and I am here to edutain you about the world of dog agility. Join me as I spend time interviewing special guests, share my journey, successes, laughs, and failures. We all start somewhere and we all end up on a start line. My hope is to help you grow in the sport we all love. Season two, episode 34. Ready? Hey, Agility Addicts. I am super excited tonight to be here with Michelle Ellertson. She has been my nose work coach now for 11 years. We took a little hiatus just because she moved a little further south, but then we got super lucky. The pandemic brought some good things such as online learning. And then also she moved a little bit closer to us, but now I think we drive pretty darn far to take her classes. And the reason why you guys are probably like, why on an agility podcast are you bringing something about nose work? And I, we're going to expand greatly into that, but I can't say enough about what nose work did for specifically my journey with Phoenix, but in general, my ability to learn, read, and understand dogs better, both in my professional life, my personal life, and with just dog walking clients and boarders. I can see things that I never, ever would have thought that I could see. So without further ado, I want to have Michelle kind of introduce herself and let us know how she got into this. She is a powerhouse in the nose work community, particularly in the NACSW realm. And we're going to talk a bit about that, but she has fascinating insight that I just wanted to share with you guys and also let you know about the journey or how this has assisted in my journey with my dog, particularly Phoenix. So welcome, Michelle. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. So I guess I'll dive in with who I am and, you know, so I am, um, I don't know how far back you want me to go, but I actually started my dog training career as a behaviorist. So I worked with aggression cases, reactivity, you know, all of the like bread and butter of pet dog dumb And then there was this article in the whole dog journal about this new sport that was coming out. This was back in 2009, canine nose work. And the whole idea of dog sports and dog activities that use the dog's kind of natural ability. They're not contrived behaviors. Like I was in a very, uh, I was teaching at a school at the time that's very heavy into competition obedience. And while I like that training, I'm a training geek anyway. So anything I could train my dog to do, I'm in, but all of that kind of behavior is very contrived. It's very human driven. Dogs don't move in a straight line naturally, you know, like that sort of stuff. It's so, so fabricated. That's <laughs> such a good word for it. But I was really interested in sports and activities that took who the dogs were without so much of our aid or influenced and harnessed that, you know, things like, you know, now, now my, you know, fodder's protection sport, but like protection sport or herding or tracking or, mm-hmm. you know, things, things like that professional work, people who were training narcotic dogs and things like that. I, it just, it really drove something in me to want to learn more about it. And then there was this article in the whole dog journal about this new sport, canine nose work. And it just seemed for me to check all of the boxes. So immediately I wanted to know absolutely everything I could possibly know about this sport, 
I was fortunate enough to have the school I was working for actually sponsor me and send me to learn more about it so I could teach for their school, um, which was a super, you know, that was super generous of them and definitely got me started off. Now I've been teaching the sport of canine nose work since 2009. Um, I'm one of the first kind of I don't know, onslaught of instructors that came to the New England region anyway. I work primarily for the NACSW, that's the National Association of Canine Scent Work. I am a certifying official, which is the person who goes to different trial locations and actually sets the test for these, um, for these events, for these tests. I'm a trial judge. Uh, I don't venture too much outside of NACSW just be only for the only reason I'm a USCSS judge too, I guess I can't really say that anymore, but I, I I'm too busy. Like the NACSW yeah. keeps me plenty busy to venture to, you know, to venture into AKC and all of the other realms. So I try to keep myself pretty, pretty narrow in the scope. I consider myself an expert in what I know through the NACSW and I dabble in the other things, but that's really where my um, direction lies. You know, Um, I own the dog's pace, which is a, we have a brick and mortar school in Franklin, Massachusetts. We run classes out of there. We are the home of what we call pace team games, which is another competitive, which people live for, live for. It's <laughs> live for it. you know, even when I created pace team games, I was like, oh, a fun thing to do once. And pace team games <laughs> is coming to a state nearest you. I heard you were branching out. Yeah. We've been to, we've been to LA twice. Now we're going to Michigan. Uh, we go to Pennsylvania twice a year in talks for Maryland and North Carolina now. Awesome. Um, so super fun, just another opportunity to get out and sniff with your dog and learn something. And then we also have an online, a pretty hefty at this point, online program through the, through, through the dog's pace and, yeah. you know, webinars and all of that sort of stuff too. Yeah. And that's been a wonderful outlet for us because we have multiple dogs and we got a newish dog, Wendy, and we really wanted to get her started, but a lot of time classes are full or you, the schedule doesn't work with ours. And we were able to get into the online class that was really super helpful. And we'll we'll talk about this more too, but just the benefits of the online course I found, and this can go for multiple sports, but this is particular for nose work is that when you, the the handler are learning everything you're also getting this this bonus of you're learning to be a little bit like your instructor because you Michelle had to coach everybody on where to place hides and the reasons for it. and so you get this extra layer of education which i found cuz i would sit there at the dinner table eating while you were having classes and i'd be like oh oh <laughs> that's pretty interesting so you know we could talk more about that but i just thought that was really cool so i kind of want to dive into you know why is nose work important? You, you touched on this a little bit already. <laughs> it, because it's using the dog's natural capability. And guys, don't take offense to this, but agility is just dogs jumping over plastic. That's quote directly from Abby Hansen, who will be trialing under this weekend. And it's true. And, and same with obedience. Those are positions relative to us that we created. And so that's not to disparage those sports at all, but that's another reason why I love nose work. So I want Michelle to kind of talk about the, the true importance to nose work and, and why, why, why is nose work, why? <laughs> nose work so, much important, so yeah. important to dogs? Yeah, I believe to my very, to the very core of my being that every single dog, every single dog should be able to have 
the opportunity to play nose work games in their in their lives in their existence it's enriching it's mm-hmm. tapping our dogs live i mean most of our dogs live 100% in our world with our rules you know we take leash walks with our dogs don't cross in front of me don't track the squirrel don't do this don't do that don't sniff the bush don't pee on that all of that kind of they're not awful rules they're rules that the dogs have to have to live in our in our in our world but it really does stifle a lot of who the dog is and who the dog can be and takes away a lot of that you know there's a lot of studies about um taking sniff walks and things that are (laughs) yes things that are less structured so the dog can have some kind of outlet to sniff sniffing is so innately rewarding to the dog. It's what they, they've been doing it since they were born, you know? I mean, it's the it's, first it's, sense that's developed. It's the first sense that's developed. It's the last sense to go in most cases, mm-hmm. you know, for dogs that are getting up in years, it can, it can incredibly increase the quality of life for a dog who maybe can't run agility like they used to, or, you know, take big, long runs, they can do a couple of nose work searches in a small area and feel really good about themselves, gets their body moving in a way that they can move naturally. I just, it doesn't have to be formal nose work, just an opportunity for the dog to go out and use their nose. This includes snuffle mats. This includes just putting meatballs around your house and letting your dog have a good time. I have a little, she's going to start squeaking a toy and I apologize. In That's advance. fine. We're dog friendly around here. Um, <laughs> Canola, come here. So I have a little uh, Malinois who, when I got her, it was, I'm sorry, baby, I'm going to take that. It was incredibly, it was an eye-opening experience to have to meet her needs on a daily basis. And I thank God for nose work because I don't think there wasn't not enough running in the world was going yeah, to you'd be run ragged. Yeah. There, <laughs> no, be it was just impossible. It was just impossible. <laughs> you know, maybe biting would for her would be a second, like close second best kind of thing in terms of satiating her. But I could, you know, at that point she was searching for cheese. So I could put 14 cheese hides out in my training building, sit down, get some work done on my computer and she's off having a good time. And I got a break for a half a second, right? It, it's just some kind of nose work. I believe to my core that every single dog should have that opportunity in their worlds. It's the sports that we do, agility, obedience, even protection to a, to a certain degree. There's a there's a handler driven component there mm-hmm. where you're the one who knows the next step. You're the one who knows the next jump you're going over. You're the one who knows the course and the numbers. The dog doesn't know that the dog's looking to you for that direction. And it's up to you to give it in a timely and efficient manner. So the dog can execute it the way that it's supposed to be done. Similar to the obedience piece of my sport. I'm the one who's driving the, the faction of what we're doing next. And the dog's looking to me for that information. In nose work, it's flipped. So the dog is the one who's driving that game. The dog's the one who's driving that 
that direction. And we're in the unique position of being a supportive role to the dog instead of the leadership role. And I, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this later, but it is such a nice balance. That's an amazing, it's an amazing point. I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that, but I never would have constructed it that way in comparison to all the other sports. We literally many times are going in blind and absolutely relying on that dog to tell us where source is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's completely dog driven. And, you know, in the upper levels, the handler steps in a little bit. But it's still got to be 98% dog driven at that point, because you don't know where the things are. You're going to have ideas and they're going to be bad ideas because they're based on human constructs. And the dog's going to give you information based on what the odor is telling them. It's always going to be more honest. When, when we're putting all of this time and effort and energy into training, you know, I'm going to call it, this is this may not be the right way to say it, but I'm going to call it your primary sport. You know, like Mm -hmm. for my, for me, my primary sport is Mondio ring. I put a lot of time and a lot of energy and good God, a lot of money into (laughs) training. Mine would be agility. (laughs) Yeah. And to train. Right. So, you know, having something where I put so much time and energy into teaching her to be my partner in terms of follow my lead having then giving her the skills, the tools, the opportunity to take the lead from me. It's confidence boosting for my primary sport, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, because she gets that independence that sometimes we take a, I don't want to say we take away in the, in the formality of our primary sports, but I really do think it's we mask easy, it. It's easy to, to become imbalanced in that without something else to put that, that independence and that creativity and that, you know, oh, I can do, you know, that feeling of that strong and, and, and powerful and they're going to survive whatever we put them in, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And this kind of segues into one of these things that I want to discuss based on a personal kind of journey that I've been on. I've heard, and and I'd like to give credit. It might've been from you. It might've just I think my husband heard it. Somehow I heard and got in my head. I had a a very stressed dog and agility stressed down. And she was my, at this point, third agility dog. And I own the stress for my novice A dog because I, I know I caused that. I was weird. She did weird stuff. It was because of me. But by the time I got to Phoenix, I was like, not to be conceited, but this isn't me. I don't care what you do in the ring. This is fun. I'm comfortable. This was all on her. And so I had heard that if you do particularly nose work, that can help build their confidence. And so I want to dive into that because you already talked about that, how it can build the confidence. How does nose work build confidence? And just really quickly, my quick Kate study with Phoenix was, okay, listen, I was kind of desperate at this point and to the point where I absolutely stopped trialing her. I still took her to classes, but I was like, she, she's not having fun. Why? I'm not going to do this to my dog anymore. And so I, I always like to do things with my dogs. And so I started to train her personally in nose work. My husband's done it a bit longer than me with Walter, her litter mate. And I did it with actually almost no intention to bring her back out. I just did it to have something fun to do with her. And only because Debbie showed- yeah, I think when I, I think even when I met you, you were 
not yes. trialing her and had kind of even mentioned we don't ever have to trial again. This right. Is it was not, not on my radar, not a goal. The dog had clearly shown she wasn't interested. So Debbie came up lame very briefly with a shoulder injury. And it was like two weeks out from a trial. And I was able, I, you know, I wrote the secretary and I said, Hey, um, you know, trial's still open. Can I just swap out dogs? And she said, sure. And so that forced me to rest Debbie. Cause we all know how bad I am about, you know, so I'm like, rest your dog. She's not in the trial. And so I brought Phoenix out and she cued. And then she double cued. And I remember going outside. It was in the middle of the pandemic. She jumped in my arms and I cried. And someone was like, did you get a mock? I said, no, she cued. She hasn't cued. I haven't run this dog in two years. It was almost like two years and three months. And all I can attribute it to, it wasn't this long break, was the relationship and everything that we learned in nose work. So definitely please expand on that because Phoenix is not the only one that might be our only little special story, but this is a thing. People are understanding and starting to recognize the benefit of nose work to their dog in other sports and in life. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the confidence that dogs get from nose work, let me back up and say just this, it, it depends and it matters how the foundation is started because just I've seen a lot of trainers and I've had a lot of trainers come to me for help in fixing their dog who is stressing and nose work. So it is possible. Which I actually want to talk about too, stressing and nose work. Yeah. To have this, it's possible to have the same feelings if, if we're not empowering the dog and the thing that nose work does If it's trained in a way that prioritizes the independence of the dog, the dog's freedom to do whatever they need to do to solve the problem, the dog's ability, building the dog's ability to solve the problem, that's where the confidence comes from. Because we're not stepping in and aiding that. We aid it in other ways. And a good instructor is going to aid the dog to solve the problem through the setup itself. Right. And a good instructor is also going to coach the human to stay out of it. How many times have you been like, here, back up? (laughs) I put so much pressure because when I know where the hide is, I'm like, I'm literally trying to point her with my body because my agility body is like, it's right there. (laughs) Right, right. So all all of that, you know, if you are doing a more handler directed kind of nose work, you're not going to get the same amount of independent drive, success, confidence. The dog's not going to feel strong. The dog is still going to be taking his cues from the handler. And you could be very successful in the sport by operating like that, but you're not going to get the full benefit of what this game actually is for the dog. Yeah. So and the it, way that, uh-huh. Go nope, go ahead. So the way that, um, you know, I am a certified nose work instructor through the NACSW and the way that the NACSW does lay out, you should be able to get good, strong, independent hunting from any CNWI. That's kind of what that title stands for, as opposed to other people do it too. But specifically, if you go out and you're looking for a nose work class and you can identify a CNWI to take class from, or somebody who mentors with a CNWI, you're going to get good, strong, independent hunting is going to be the number one priority of that, of that class. That's where the confidence comes from. 
and not to like toot my own horn or Michelle's horn on coaching me, but Phoenix literally went from this dog that shut down in the ring to number two boxer for the past three years. Like she's sagging now only because so many other dogs are so much faster, but <laughs> and she's seven, but it's, it's just incredible. And I think you touched upon some things too. When you, when you call it games, I have been blown away. You know, we go to class every single week. And even in agility, there's a different course every single week, but you could be doing the same discriminations. Sometimes there's just a lot of repetition. Every time I show up to class, I'm like, do you ever run out of different games for us to be doing with our dogs? It's incredible. And the different (laughs) things that we work on, right? We'll be working on possession. We'll be working on drive. We'll be working on um, inaccessibles. We'll be working on... Um, suspended. It's just amazing. Different airflow. It's every single week I go, which I wish I could go more. My husband gets to take them every time, but somebody's got to pay for my expensive habit. But every time I go, I I walk out of there. I'm like, we learned this. And and that, that's how I kind of fell into it. I had heard this, you know, nose work is really good for building confidence. My husband had been going, and I think I just went to a class with him one night. And I learned more from you in one night than I felt like I had learned over time. And so I think I, if I remember right, you popped in one night to, you know, just kind of hang out and, and, and visit and stuff. And, and I, we never got rid of you. You just, yeah, I was just about to say, you, <laughs> you, I look forward to Thursday nights. And then I, every time Jared comes home from Monday night class with Wendy, I'm like, how was class? And he was like, well, how was your classes? Cause that's when I teach, I do CGC prep or I do um, impulse control or him, you know, and I'm always like, forget my classes. I want to talk about yours. So yeah, I just, I, I I can't say enough if you're remotely or even if I didn't even know how much of a you know dog behavior geek I was until I started taking nose work, which then heightened my interest in dog training. So it helped me expand my vision and view of a dog. I started to look more objectively at them, which really helped me understand dogs better. And this kind of brings us to, because you have a background in reactivity, other people also say, if you have a dog with reactivity, nose work can help. And can you elaborate a little bit on that? Why does nose work particularly help with reactivity? Agility sometimes can be a devil in disguise. It sometimes can help because the dogs are contextual and they can learn how to cope in that environment, even though it's very high. And then there's other dogs. I see them. There's teams that know that they never can compete Mm -hmm. because the the tightness and closeness, it's not a reactive friendly sport. And so I'd love to hear more about how nose work can be a reactive dog friendly sport. So it's, it's physiological. There's a physiological connection to sniffing and the calming centers in the brain. So for a dog putting, you know, there's, um, there's a variety of, I'm so out of the reactive dog community. I'm probably going to quote these wrong, but like, like control unleashed, for example, has a number of games where you're putting food on the ground for the dog to bend down and eat off of the ground. It's much more effective than delivering the cookie directly into the dog's mouth the dog bending down, sniffing the ground, doing scatters in grass for the dog to snuffle around and find the kibbles. That's incredibly calming for the dog. Nature snuffle, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, there's, it's, it's physiological. So the challenge that reactive dogs have in the, not the game of nose work, the game of nose work is incredibly beneficial to reactive dogs. 
If the handler then wants to take it a step further and try to compete, the challenge for that reactive dog is then the handler getting into some classes to help manage the reactivity in the parking lot and the, the external kind of stuff. I will say that NACSW trials are set up so that reactive dogs are perhaps a little more welcome than um, in other venues where they don't take care so much. Like there are rules. The dogs need to maintain, be crated in between their runs. They need to be walked on a, on a six foot leash. There's supposed to be eight feet of space between all dogs at all times. And while the dog is actually searching, we go through great lengths to make sure that there isn't another dog in sight. Um, so the dog can focus on their job, but it's the physiological piece that is, is what matters. And I'm taking from playing the games at home in your yard, at the park, wherever you take your games and trialing are two totally different things. Oh, yeah. And they put totally different, um, I'm going to call them stressors on the dogs. If you're just, if you have a reactive dog and you're looking for a little decompression for them, teaching them some simple nose work games is a really nice kind of biological way to help them seek a little bit of calm. I have a reactive dog. My shepherd is reactive, not terribly reactive, but reactive enough to make it hard sometimes to do things that normal people would do. And, um, one of the things that I do religiously is when we're walking, uh, the neighborhood, and I see a dog coming, we will stop, we will park ourselves and I will just scatter food on the ground for him to eat. And he can notice the dog, watch the dog pass, but be snuffling his cookies in the grass. And that's calming enough for him so that he doesn't feel the need to react or he doesn't feel threatened. And that's the same, it's the same component that knows where it kind of sucks into, you know? Yeah. People don't believe me that Phoenix is reactive too, because in agility context, I can control her when she gets crazy. I mean, I'm, sort of joking, but not, but I'll, you know, she'll pull oh, towards the dog and I, yeah. And I'll go, no, you can't eat that border collie today. And I'm kind of yeah. joking, but like, if I let her go, she would, but well, I, I played will. With, I played with, uh, with you. I played with agility with chaser only for like, let's get out and do something different because you know, we were bored and it was just him and I, at that point, and I didn't have this crazy beast you know, <laughs> that now lives with us. Um, now Chaser going. looks like a potato compared to her. <laughs> <laughs> he really does. And he's a working line German shepherd, which is not a potato. Yeah. Well, Wendy makes my fawn dogs look like, you know, couch Barbie dolls. <laughs> it's, just, it's amazing what a, another dog of a similar breed can, you know, and this, I have the same breed, but it's, it's just completely different. It to the working line and it's a whole different it's a whole different, it really is. Um, so I think along those lines, though, it makes sense. And, and there's not much to really reiterate. But when you enact the olfactory sense through a scatter or through a search, you're also helping hyper dogs. And um, I recently did this. I had a 13 month old chocolate lab. You know, he has a, a electric fence yard and acreage and all this stuff, but he doesn't really do anything. And the mom says she's really busy in the morning. She's got like three kids under the four kids under the age of seven. So I said, look, I'm going to change up your morning routine. Super simple for you and the dog. I want you to take his breakfast in his bowl and I want you to go and I want you to just throw it outside on the ground. Perfect. And she was like, what? I said, yeah, you just bought yourself a half hour, 45 minutes of him searching and tiring himself out a little bit mentally doing that. 
mm-hmm. she was just mind blown by that. And then a few weeks later, she wrote me and she's like, our mornings are much more calmer. I physically have more time because he's doing something. He's now being enriched and not just left outside. He didn't mm-hmm. just inhale his boring breakfast out of a bowl. Mm-hmm. So even just simple, simple things to a degree that is nose work, but it really, you know, it's snuffling. It's a nose work game. Yep. Yeah. I would put that into that category. Absolutely. And so it's just, you know, that's helped that I wish dog. people would realize that it's that easy. I know. That, you know, giving your dog some enrichment and an activity doesn't have to be, you don't ever have to go to class. Right. Like, well, here's here. I'm going to even throw out free advice for the jumper or counter surfer, right? Everybody wants to teach their dog off in the act of jumping, right? And I always tell people, here's how you teach off. Go grab their kibble or their treats if they won't for your kibble. And I want you to put it in your pocket. And throughout the day, I want you to drop it and several of them and go off. Now your dog is like, oh, off is when I calmly look for stuff on the floor. Mm-hmm. You can't off search for something on the floor and be on at the same time. It's as simple as that. Like well, plus off, people want to teach off as a reactionary tool. Correct. It needs I, to be a the proactive. You say off, you're done. Like the moment has passed. You're, yeah, you're, you're just off just means jump up on. Yes. yes. You're just naming the act of being on the part. So when I tell people that they're like, oh, and, and then so I say, okay, so now I just taught you off. I'm going to teach you what's that, which is a food scatter. It's identical to off. We're just going to use it outside because we're humans and we don't use off outside. And they're like, oh. So mm-hmm. when your dog sees a chipmunk or squirrel or cat or another dog, I just throw down. I go, what's that? And I always do it by my feet. So now the dog knows where to look. And yeah. just yep. simple things. The fact that nose work can help with reactivity and hyperactivity alone and confidence. Are you people understanding the benefit Literally of this yet? every dog. Literally the, every the, dog. The, the scaredy dog, the hyper dog. The, the handicapped dog. That's why we first came to you back in 2011, yeah, you know, yeah, 2011, huh? I think it was with Tank. He was starting his journey with DM and I always regretted. I learned about sports later on. I was, I was just classic pet dog person, nothing wrong with that. And I started to learn about sports and Dozer was a very active, very athletic boxer tank was, and he was a train wreck from the beginning, but as he developed and then got degenerative myelopathy, I wanted to enrich his world. And that's when we first met Michelle. And I, I posted a picture the other day and this was, there was like purses and boxes and somebody's like, it looks like there was a, you know, a tornado that went through. Yeah. But that was our that's first old school nose work. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but it was so much fun even back then. And tank would be exhausted. It was hard for us to physically exercise a dog whose rear end was paralyzed. And so that meant the world to us. And then I knew when I was getting my, you know, working line boxer, we got to do nose work from the get-go because I need an outlet when it's, you know, 90 below and she can't run because it's ice, even though she would and she does. I needed an outlet for her. And we started that immediately. I will start every dog on nose work and it will be a part of their life throughout. That's just how important it is. (laughs) But speaking of that, just not even just the importance to the dog, what I want to kind of jump into too is, and this was so big for me, how does nose work help you or the handler, the person, the owner learn more about their dog? I just wanted to take a quick second here to recommend and mention one of our fantastic sponsors, Carrie Beck of Cody's Creations. That's C-O-D-Y-S creations.com. That will bring you to her Etsy page where you can get custom collars, martingales, treat totes, and biothane leashes. 
If you look at any of the beautiful necks of my dogs at Agility Trials, you will notice they are adorning these amazing collars. I highly recommend her. And not only are her prices very reasonable for, for the custom work that she does, but if you type in the promo code STARTLINE, all one word, you'll get 15% off your next order. So go ahead and check out codyscreations.com. And don't worry if you're not local to Massachusetts. She ships everywhere. She can be found on Etsy. And I highly recommend her. Check out the next of my dogs the next time you see them. And back to our episode. Because it requires you to observe things that your dog is doing or has done or is in the process or is going to do. You have to be, observation is the number one thing that you're learning through intro to nose work. So like our intro to nose work program, we start dogs on primary, which is simply primary is just something I don't have to tell the dog is valuable. So like, I don't have to tell most dogs that a meatball is valuable. <laughs> most dogs are going to say, oh yes, thank you. <laughs> May I have another? <laughs> so mo- we start dogs on primary. And at first I think there's an, there's a quick assumption like, oh, well, this is just like my dog can eat meatballs out of boxes. Like that's not really that big a deal and it's not that hard. And it's not about that though. Your dog is building his confidence and his independence while he's doing that. But you're learning if, if you have a good instructor, you should be learning about changes in behavior. How do you know when the dog is getting close to that meatball? What does his body look like? How does his tail wag? How does his head carriage hold? What do his ears do? Where are his feet? (laughs) where his feet, um, breathing changes, all of those sorts of things, crabbing where the dog kind of walks sideways while they're deciding which direction to go bracketing. All of these things are crucial to understanding where, you know, the Q-tip is in a classroom. Um, when you don't know where the hide is, it's more than just the dog's final behavior. It's every behavior leading up to that final behavior. And those are the things that you learn a little bit more about. We talk a lot. I talk a lot. Maybe it's just recently. Maybe I'm on a tear. I don't know. But I talk a lot about displacement behaviors and what those look like and how those differ from the dog, quote, screwing off during a search. And I I just did a workshop down here a couple of days ago, and we talked a lot about it because We had dogs doing zoomies in the middle of a search. It's displacement. The dog doesn't really understand what's going on in the picture. Dog's not screwing off. The dog's trying. He's trying. He's showing you a lack of information. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that behavior is not bad. Behavior is just information. Information, yes. It's up to me to go back and fill in that, that hole, whatever the dog didn't understand about that picture. Um, you know, floor sniffing, dog tracking, all of that stuff is as long as the dog understands the task, dog is likely to perform the task as long as that he's emotionally able to do it. He's not scared or, you know, intimidated or uncertain in some way. Yeah. My brain is exploding right now because (laughs) You literally just connected. It's exploding and also a little bit sad. Follow me on this. You literally just connected the, I've been doing seminars on stress because something that I've become 
at this point I can say an expert in is trial stress, ring stress. And I just gave a seminar with Noreen Bennett on this and we just did a, our podcast on this. But I will tell you right now what makes me sad is because everything that you're describing is stress that we will see zoomies. We will see mm-hmm. displacement sniffing. Um, the only thing that makes me sad for agility people that nose work people don't have, and this is why I wish more people would do nose work, is the power of observation. We are not paying enough attention to our dogs, particularly in obedience, rally, and agility, when they are telling us, I am having a trouble understanding. Either you weren't clear, I'm having issues, I'm having trouble, and now I'm giving you stress signals, and I'm also giving you calming signals because you are raising your voice and clapping at me. And thankfully, that's something I think, and I want to talk about this too with you, I feel like in nose work, we tend to torture our dogs less. We tend to stress our dogs less. I know we do things where we'll step in or we'll pull back on a leash and we'll cause them in the inability to perform their job to their abilities. But in agility, we ask and expect so much and don't look at their behavior enough, not nearly enough. The amount of stuff I saw just on the start line in these past two days, because my eyes are more and more wide to them is just incredible. And so the good news is there's still stress in scent work or nose work, which we're going to talk about, but it's far less. And I really recommend that people look into it because it forces the handler to observe your dog more. It's like, I always tell people, think of your dog as a little science experiment. We love them to bits and pieces, but they communicate differently than us. They're not going to be like, it's right here. It's right here. We actually teach them how to signal to us. Like we pay for what we want in terms of that behavior, but that behavior could be anything. And I just, the fact that head snaps, possession, all the stuff that got me so hooked was so, there's millions of them. It's crazy, but yeah. And I will say, I will say, I'm just going to interrupt you for half a second because I feel like you're coming at it from an aspect of, or a, or a perspective of not really having seen bad nose work. Yes. I would agree with that. You're right. Uh, Because I haven't, I haven't trialed and not to blow your head up, but you're a really good instructor. So you don't allow the bad because you're protecting the dogs. I get that. You, you always, or when we start to see it, we talk about it. Yeah. So we, we illuminate the, the whole, whatever it is. And then we try to pull it apart, you know, and have a conversation about it. So that's cool. I have a jaded version, but now you can enlighten us on the fact that it does exist and make all the agility people that I made feel badly understand that it does exist in other sports. Yes, it does. It absolutely does. So traveling and teaching in a variety of different places all over the country, I'm going to, I mean, I'm calling it quote, bad nose work. It's, it's not, it's, it's just unaware. Yes. That's a much better way to, to put it. It's just unaware nose work. It's nose work where the stress is put on the find and the understanding of what's going on to get there. Like why you won't let us chatter at our dogs once they found a hide. Yeah. We practiced, <laughs> we played a whole game of that. throw things at Kara. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did uh, a workshop 
this week or a couple weekends ago here and I'm in North Carolina now. I'm usually up in Massachusetts with, um, with Kara <laughs> and there was this one dog, little, little, I don't know what it was. It was a little, it looked like a fraggle. I have no idea what it was. I'm so, Some kind of little doodly thing. And it was, it was the zoomy dog. So half the time it would come in for the search and it would zoom around the space before quote working. Um, half the time it would come in and it would cookie sniff, like track the cookie crumbs that were imaginary at this point, because we had been training there for three days and there was no cookie crumbs, but she insisted that there were. So she had to find them all first, uh, before quote working. And I put working in quotes because the dog is working the whole time, but for the handler, it didn't feel like she was engaging the job that the handler was out to engage until that moment. And you know, I work with this dog all through the, through the session and kind of gave some tips here and there. We talked about displacement. We talked about how, you know, generally when a dog is going off task, I have as a trainer, two choices. I can choose that the dog is stressed or not understanding the task, or I can choose to believe that the dog is blowing me off. And I, to my very core, do not believe that the majority of dogs intentionally blow us off when they know what the task is. I think that it happens occasionally, but if that task is reinforced enough and I have bought buy-in to that dog for that task, the dog is going to perform the task for me as long as it's understood. So I tend to lean on the hmm, Nine times out of 10, it's displacement of some sort. There's a hole. The dog doesn't understand what I'm asking for. I need to fill that hole. And generally by pulling that apart, by filling that hole and by providing reinforcement, I can get the dog onto my team without much. I don't have to do a whole lot. I just have to change the reinforcement schedule. One of her friends pulled me aside and she said, she's been struggling with this for ever. And nobody seems to be able to help her. They just keep going. They do the same things. They wait for the dog to engage and then reinforce the dog. Okay. So we do a lesson. This dog was amazing. Like structured lesson. We pulled out the boxes. I made her bring like some amazing, she brought like sausage and meatball and all kinds of amazing reinforcement for the dog. At the seminar, she gave me Charlie bears. Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> Let's let's think outside the box here. And the dog doesn't have food stuff. The dog can eat anything. So we played possession games with the dog. And the minute the dog realized that sometimes the hide isn't going to be hers, that keyed a different part of the dog's brain into activity. And all of a sudden, this dog was on fire. This dog was finding stuff. She was possessing it. She was owning it. She was certain. There were... This is a, we were working in a state park gazebo <laughs> where they clearly feed cats or something like next oh, yeah. to the steps. We found little dishes of food and water around. There's clearly food everywhere. She did not care. She did not care. So, you know, going back to aware nose work, when we choose to see the behaviors not as bad, but is information. And we go about training in a way that changes the picture a little bit for the dog and taps into different drivers. We can unleash a different experience for that dog. So 
doing this all over the country, I see this all the time. And we have conversations about displacement all the time. And there's very bad nose work out there. There's very bad nose well, work. I feel privileged to have avoided it. <laughs> well, I mean, we're fortunate in New England to have a number of very talented instructors in our area. Other regions are not so fortunate. That's similar with, and again, I don't mean to be like regional snob here, but same with agility. Most of the world team, top team, top handlers in the country are in New England, which Mm -hmm. seems silly because there's other places that can do agility year round outside and all the time. And we're relegated to these buildings and storms and yeah, it's impressive, but yeah, it's go New England. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we're fortunate there. Um, It's the beauty of what online training has brought us though. And I don't think COVID for much, but I think COVID for bringing, you know, pushing me to figure out how to bring a format to online learning that will bring new ideas to people all over the place. And you've embraced it because I can, you know, I'm proud to say that I train with you and I'll meet people. I'll be out in Ohio and they're like, oh yeah, my husband's really into nose work or I'm really into nose work. And oh yeah, I've heard of her. And I'm like, yeah, that's who I train with. So yeah, it's, it's (laughs) no, you're online. And like I said, you've, you've not only at this point kind of mastered the format. I know we're always learning new. I, um, I really appreciated the pandemic for that too, because I was, you know, a newish instructor at that or a trainer at that point. And it allowed me to break boundaries and come in. I always say I can come into people's homes. I just can't touch you. Mm-hmm. And it caused me to think and have to communicate with people differently because I, I'm a control freak. And sometimes I'll just be like, let me see the dog and I'll do it and show them. But sometimes people need to do it themselves. And so this forced me to have to coach people better to use their own dog as a demo. I couldn't touch the dog and I couldn't manipulate the situation and the antecedent and set it all up for my success. I had to help them do it. And that's the piece that I think is so beneficial to online learning. I'm I'm an in-person person at heart, but there are major advantages to online that you can't get in person, right? Mm-hmm. You're always setting the hides in person. When we do homework, we have to be a little bit Michelle. You know, we have to take- Not a only that, bit. but how often in in-person classes, we don't talk, I mean, we talk about- the why we're doing stuff, but we don't get, we don't get nearly as into the, the why and the wherefore and the, you know, you almost don't get as much as the theory and the, the, yeah, you get more of the practicum and less of the online classes. We have a 45 minute lecture sometimes because everybody has questions about this, that, or the other thing, but it's all just theory. It's all, this is why we're doing And I think in class too, you know, unless we ask sometimes because this is so, you know, at this point, expertise and commonplace for you, we do these things. And then sometimes because I'm the new one that pops in every few weeks, I'm like, why are we doing this? And you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, because of, uh, uh, duh. So yeah, yeah, it's online is definitely more enriching for our minds in terms of expanding the the vastness and the knowledge required around Mm -hmm. nose work. Mm -hmm. So um, so this is something interesting that I always hear that I, I want to get your opinion. I know what it's going to be, but you'll elaborate better. I get this a lot. Why would you ever take your dog that has zoomies or sniffs? Because so many agility dogs will, we know it's displacement sniff, but they're sniffing. And I actually had a full-blown argument. I was yelled at. Some woman came up, asked for my training opinion for free, which was stupid. I should have just said, Hey, you can book a session with me. Mm -hmm. I gave her my opinion on her dog who displacement sniffs and has stress. 
And then she didn't like it and then went into the walkthrough and proceeded to break me in front of other people, which then some other people came to my defense, which was great. But anyways, Where would you do that? I don't know. But she did not believe me. She thought that her dog sniffing was because she had started doing nose work and that nose work is this devil that if you teach your dog to sniff, they're going to go into the agility ring or the obedience ring or the rally ring and they're going to sniff because they're going to get confused. So please elaborate on how that is so not true. <laughs> it's all clear to you, right? The dog knows theoretically what tasks they're doing at what time. Displacement sniffing and nose work sniffing are so different. different. You can get, you can get displayed. Like I'm just, I'm, my mind is blown here because. But people don't can, get it. They really don't understand. But Some you people have, have no displacement idea. Displacement sniffing and nose work as well. Yeah, true. Very true. But and the, yeah, go ahead. It's it's the dog is not on task. You know, <laughs> that's not that's not the task the dog is there to do. Right. It's exactly the same thing as the dog sniffing in, in agility. And displacement sniffing is a form of stress behavior. Yeah. Yeah. It is a form of a calming signal where the dog is saying, handler, human environment, I can't handle this right now. I need to satiate my basic. This makes me feel good. I'm going to be here. Correct. This but is people, where I'm going to live right But now. people, because you and I don't get it because we're like, there's clearly displacement sniffing and there's clearly nose work. But- what people see is the behavior of the dog sniffing and they know that sniffing is rewarding. And so the general public makes that assumption that because yes. nose work is rewarding, that displacement sniffing is rewarding and caused by nose work. I just want to make it clear to the audience that when you have a dog that sniffs, A, dogs are extremely contextual. They do not generalize well. Mm -hmm. When they are doing nose work and on task, as Michelle said, they are on task, right? I have Never. And in fact, I will only preach about how nose work has helped my agility dogs. And all of them have displacement sniffed at all times in agility. They've all done it, including Debbie. But and I just it, this goes back to our observation conversation. Yes, I want oh, people like, to observe their dogs it, more. It's it doesn't look the same at no, all. No, but if people don't have a comparison, so this is why they should be going home. Watch your dog on a snuffle mat, go hide some cheese and let them find it and watch their body language versus the video of your dog where he displacement sniffed. That's right. homework that I would like people to do. Displacement sniffing looks more like um, erratic. They typically grill their nose into yeah. the ground. They're moving. They're tracking stuff. They're sniffing stuff. It's stuff that they're sniffing. <laughs> Nose work searching is much more up. Does that make sense? It's much yes, more- Yes, because they're like, taking in, they're not, displacement sniffing is almost going to source on the ground and looking for relief from the ground yes. where yes. nose work, the dog is looking for source and taking in information from all over more up so that they can then in the narrow air. in. Yes. In the air. Like it's nose work is air scenting. It's not. But again, they, they see bloodhounds on tracks and they think I'm just trying to be yeah. general public. I, and yeah. also new to agility or whatever. I just want people to be very clear that they are different and nose work is not an iota of a hindrance. In fact, it's a, a helper, but I hear it all the time. And this woman resonates with me who fought with me that it was <sighs> nose work. <laughs> I, my friends are like, you're still talking about that. It was like years ago. I'm still talking about that. 
But it just really upset me because in that moment, I couldn't help this woman see the difference. And so if I can, through this podcast, help people recognize the difference and it's helping your dog. If your dog is displacement sniffing. Giving them an outlet. Yes, yes, yes. So um, so that's just a big one that I wanted to, to touch upon. But let's talk about something fun now. So in your vast experience and your years, what are some of your, what is one of or many of, it doesn't matter, your favorite moments, either trialing, teaching, something that sticks out that you're just like, you know, that this keeps me going, right? I know you're into Mondio and that's, that's your passion, but in scent work, when you see, or you've experienced X, what, what keeps you going? What lights your fire? Honestly, conversations like this, yeah. honestly, like I, I, so even teaching this weekend, being able to enlighten a group of people into their dog's world, being able to help them get a little tiny glimpse of how to understand their dog a little bit better. It it like completely does it for me. Just, just that, just the fact that this sport opens that door for me to do that is what keeps me coming back to nose work. And I do other stuff and try, like, I pull for all of this possession work. People in nose work don't talk about possession like we talk about possession. It's not, a, it's not vernacular that they, um, that they utilize. See, I'm Even so jaded last... because I only know it I know. and I know how important it is from you. I know. Their um, little feet when they're like, bloop, bloop, bloop. I love that. Yep. <laughs> I like the sound effect. I don't need that. Well, I can't show them what I'm doing. So. I know. <laughs> I just um, see little things and speak going. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Even my last uh, virtual nosework camp webinar, um, Dana and I had a conversation about how nobody nobody knows that terminology because my title for the webinar was something about possession, and Dana was like, "Nobody's going to know." Oh, what was it Dana Krebling? Yeah. yeah, she's like, "Nobody's going to know what that means." So I was like, "You're probably correct. <laughs> You're probably correct because I I live and breathe this stuff because of the Mondio world that I live in. Possession is such a a huge part of what oh, yeah. we tap into to encourage the dogs to play with the dogs to get them." into drive just a little bit more. And my taking that experience from the Mondia world and bringing it into nose work lit a whole new appreciation for the drive that we're asking the dogs to go into in nose work and how stale it is from time to time. And it got me thinking, like, I don't think it has to be stale. I actually don't think it should be. I think that like we're tapping into the hunt. This is going to be gross, but the hunt kill, you know, eat like that's they're what, apex predators. I tell kill. everybody that's grossed out by their dogs. I'm like, you brought an apex predator in yeah. your house. Hunt, chase, kill. Yeah. You've got the hunt. The thing doesn't run. And the closest thing they get to kill is to eat your cookie that you're providing. It's like agility. We do the hunt, but we don't really have the chase or the kill. The kill is the, what you get at, you, you know, at your beef end, heart yeah. you get afterwards. Right. Right. So, you know, can we bring a little bit more of that drive into it? Yeah. That's, that's where the possession stuff comes from, um, is from all that Mondio influence. Yeah. But the thing that brings me back to nose work is, you know, even, even watching the people that I train with for Mondio 
I can't help but feel how much more they would understand their dogs if they did nose did work. Nose work. Can you briefly, just because there's going to be some people on here that don't know Mondio, can you just briefly describe what Mondio is? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a it's a ring sport. It's a protection sport um, that is consistent of three three components. There's an obedience portion, a jump portion, and a protection portion. It's a it's just a protection sport. The thing about Mondio that sets it apart is that you're, it's like batshit crazy protection. <laughs> it's, um, there's always a theme to the trials. There's crazy shit going on. There's multiple decoys. The decoys are like high-fiving next to you. And so is it like themed you're saying yeah. when you say, uh-huh. okay, that's fun. cool. Yeah. Super fun. And so, so French ring doesn't do that. Out. So French ring and Schutzen don't have themes or anything. No. Okay. French ring and Schutzen are both very, um, sterile. Yeah, they do the exact same thing at exactly the same time, the same way every single time. Mondio is not like that. That's cool. Well, I value your time. We could talk forever. I know that. Forever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I could geek out on dog behavior with you forever. But I really appreciate that. Is there anything else that you want to share about Nosework? I just wanted to get across, you know, particularly, and a lot of our listeners do other sports as well, or they're just kind of trying to get into agility. but. You know, I think we've hit home that you should do nose work. And I assume I'll put all of your information in the show notes and how to get in touch with you from the um, the dog's pace. Yeah, absolutely. Just play with your dog. Like even, you know, go take an intro to nose work class, do something online, but just learn a couple games to play with your dog. You'd be surprised. You don't have to take it to trial. I know probably your listeners are going to want to take it to trial. And I I have to say that like trialing and nose work is pretty user-friendly. Like if you're just getting into dog sports, nose work is kind of a nice way to- Well, yeah, they they have like arrows on the ground. Like you can't get lost. You can't get lost. They call you up one at a time. I even did. And I, I know you're not that into AKC. You know, that's a whole nother topic. But I volunteered, no dog enter. I mean, my husband ran a dog no dog entered. I was just there. I gate stored It was fascinating. I applied some of my agility knowledge to it, but I could watch it all day, just watching these people line up and their little rituals. And I watched some of the runs and, and ran scores. And it, it was just, yeah, even if you just go, go volunteer or watch, because a lot of times, you know, people can stand in a corner for certain things mm-hmm. you can't for NACSW can obviously volunteer. And, and what's nice about that organization is, you volunteer, you're not running. There's no conflict. There's no, AKC was a little chaotic. Sorry, AKC, where it's like, gotta get the volunteers done first. And it, you know, and then everybody's out of order and it was chaos. And so that part I didn't appreciate about it because I'm a very organized yeah, person. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, read up on it and just see, and also, yeah, look for triads if you're not local to the dog's pace and also look for online classes and just, basic stuff that will take your dog especially we've got some colder weather coming in i know we're in march but it's it's oh, don't say that. i'm getting home I'm, in a week <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> well you missed this last doozy of i know i know so but yeah guys it's just michelle and i really it's not just one of those it's a sport i like i want you to try it the benefits to the bond that it will increase between you and your dog, because you will be, you will look at your dog differently and appreciate that. You know, we talked about this in the last podcast. Dogs are born 
into this world with their mothers and they learn mimicry and they learn so many things from their mothers. And then we pick them up and plop them in our houses and expect us them to understand us just talking to them. And this creates a better way for us to communicate with them and them with us, right? I always tell people, and this is just my basic understanding, my dogs, the reason why, for example, Walter, who stressed up and visited everybody in the ring, why he does so much better in nose work is because nose work, his job, his task is to find source. And the only way for reinforcement is he must communicate to me that he found it in order for me to come in and give the reinforcement. In agility, there's jumps and judges to visit and ring crew to visit and, you know, all kinds of different things to check out. There's still obviously major distractions in nose work, but when it comes to the task, the task and the end result are very handler focused, dog driven, handler focused agility. It's handler driven and we don't focus on our dogs enough. So this is why I really wanted to bring Michelle on an expert in this world and really just hope that some of you guys will consider it. Anybody that's struggling, you can add it into your agility. You can take a break from agility, but really start look into nose work and, um, you know, play with your dogs, have fun with them, play with your dogs. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Just a quick reminder to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. And as always, if you have any suggestions for people to interview or topics you would like covered, hit me up at startlinepod at gmail.com or on any of the socials. Thanks, guys. Have fun and hope to see you at the next trial.